This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by Black Belt CBD. If you're into CBD products or you want to try CBD products and you want them at a cheap price, well, at a discounted price at least, go to blackbeltcbdproducts.com. Use promo code THEPODCAST25. You'll get 25% off. They ship within North America and they have everything from tonics to balms to rub-ons to recovery. Anything you need or want, they have at blackbeltcbdproducts.com. And if you're a woman that so happens to be listening to the show, go to poppyapparel.com. And if you like to shop online, you have everything from accessories to dresses to shirts to shorts to jeans, anything that a woman wants or needs that likes to shop online for, go to poppyapparel.com. Use promo code the podcast capital D. You'll get 10% off. They ship within around the world, and it's free shipping with more than $50. And please go subscribe, rate, review, do all that fun stuff at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio. So, this week's guest has wrestled all around the world for such promotions as New Japan Pro Wrestling, PWG, Ring of Honor, TNA, or now as it's known, Impact, and WWE. He is a former TNA X Division Champion. He is also the inaugural WWE Cruiserweight Champ and the winner of the WWE Cruiserweight Classic, professional wrestler TJ Perkins. Thank you very much for having me. I'm having a pretty good day, and uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Well, you already are gonna you already answered my first question. I was going to ask how it's going. You are, I believe, out in sunny California, I presume? Yeah, West Coast, uh, for me, is the best coast. I like dry weather, is really what it is. Uh, it could it be gloomy. Right. I'm actually fine with it being cold or whatever, but I like dry. I don't like humidity, you know. That so- kills me. So you've been up here to Canada, and our weather is very humid, especially within like the greater Toronto area where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, even in the winter, summer, it doesn't matter. It's always sticky. It's always wet. Like You go outside, and it feels like you need to take a shower within seconds. And so I assume that's <laughs> what, what you're talking about that you despise. Yeah, and if you take a shower, like I used to live in – well, I used to, I used to live in Caledon, actually. This tattoo right here. 
Oh, nice. Uh, everybody, everybody think it's um, it's just for Jason. Right. Man, I like slasher movies. Like I like horror, but um, but these are all landmarks of my life. Oh wow! And this one I got for Canada because I lived in Caledon for a little while. Okay, I know what that is. Uh, right? Yeah, so I, I'm familiar with the uh, the GTA, I guess as you guys call it. And, <laughs> right. And, um, the weather. I was I think winter, so I got a pretty authentic uh, Canadian winter experience, um, and it's beautiful. I, I loved it out there. Uh, but yeah, the humidity, man. Like, and I used to live in Florida, and That's you take right. a shower at two p.m. and you're you're going to be sticky the rest of the day. You'll never dry off. It's it's so horrible. I know it's so true because uh, where I'm from in Canada, obviously, like I said, Toronto, we have humidity. Where my parents are from in Portugal, they have humidity because they're on the coast of, of Portugal as well. So every time we go back there, it's very humid. So the first time I really got to experience dry heat, like serious dry heat, was when I went to Vegas. And I'm like, oh, now I know why everyone lives down here. It's for this fucking dry heat. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's weird. Like 115 dry to me is a lot more easy to, to uh, bear than if it was like 89 degrees and humid. Right. It, it's just, yeah, it just feels different, you know. Yeah, no kidding. So, okay, first off, what were you doing in Caledon? Why were you living in Caledon, of all places? Well, uh, let's see, about 12, 13 years ago, okay. there was a wrestling group out there called UWA. Oh, UWA right. Hardcore is what they called it. Okay. And these, these brothers ran it, and it was, it was pretty amazing. They had a, a several-year run where they were basically the Canadian ring. Uh, they had a great production they had a great set they had great menus they produced TVs they were into the those two brothers and a group of I don't know about four or five other friends and they basically had produced this like ring of honor level show every month in Cal or not in Cal they lived in Caledon but it was like in you know Mississauga and like the kind of the, the greater Toronto area and sure. random places. Um, oh, that's crazy. Um, so they would do the show and it was about in around 2006, 7, 2008, around those years. And um, they had great talent too. They had a great roster. They'd have the Motor City Machine Guns, myself, Sanjay Dutt, oh, nice. M-Dog, uh, Kevin Owens, you know Kevin Steen at the time, and right. Generico, um, which is crazy. They were like undercard guys at that time, wow. but that's like, that's how stacked their roster was. Their card was amazing. Uh, PD Williams and, and guys like that. And then right. they, uh, they had brought out Jushin Liger and Ultimo Dragon for some stuff. Okada, you know, it was a well, pretty amazing crazy. little run they had. Right. So I lived out there cause I wanted to, uh, I'm a firm believer in getting out of your own backyard, you know, when you need to chase your dreams it's yeah. not gonna come to you and i just uh, i had hit a, a point in time where i wanted to um just kind of be in a new place and and, okay. and wrestle in some new places so uh you know those guys always wanted me on their shows around that time and i thought okay well i can be near the northeast area up here and i could easily get down to new york or detroit or something like that if i needed to philadelphia sure. and at the time you know they had them but also like uh, was it Blood, Sweat, and Ears, and different other kind of shows and stuff that were going on in, in like the Toronto area? So I thought that's a good place to settle down for a few months. So I went and lived out there for like a winter season. I stayed out there. 
Oh, that's pretty cool. And most recently, you were up here in London, Ontario, wrestling for Smash, correct? Mm-hmm. And how was that and, experience? Uh, that was amazing because a lot of those uh, fans and a lot of uh, the guys there are like the remnants of that <laughs> UWA era. So like right. a lot of the fans were like, man, I remember you here as Puma for for these guys. And um, obviously, it's in like a similar area. Um, so it's a lot of the same fans and uh, a lot of the guys who probably hadn't started wrestling yet. Um, and for those that had just started there now, like kind of in their prime. So I got to see some of those guys, which was a nice surprise, you know, to see those guys again. No, of course. Yeah, I just recently had Sebastian Suave on the show as well. So after a live event and speaking of Ultimo Dragon, he was on the card and he was fighting uh, M-Dog too. And that yeah. was a great card. It was fantastic. And just to see like how indie wrestling has progressed so much from how it used to be back in the day, right? And I'm sure you're, you could contest to it yourself that it's, it's, it's a thriving business, right? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. At that time, you didn't think it at the time if you were in it. Right. But looking back, it's like it was the dark ages in a way, you know? Right, right. Um, Because everything is so much more uh, streamlined now, and, and there's a system of being able to make it work now that didn't exist previously. Yeah, exactly. And you said it, chasing your dreams. You started this at age 13? Yes, sir. Okay. Okay, you have to explain to me. Like, some people at age 13 can't even tie their own shoes. How the hell did you manage to find a wrestling school, or did you find a wrestling school, or did you start wrestling at 13? How did this all come about? Well, I uh, I wanted to wrestle. I knew I wanted to wrestle when I got older, and that that's what I wanted to do with my life. Okay. Uh, and so around that time, I was about to start high school. And so this was 1998. Oh, wow. um, okay. I always have to start with that so that people kind of understand the difference because yes. it's not like how it is now. Like in 1998, the, the internet was barely like a thing. Yep. So you couldn't really... It, it wasn't this data great database of information <laughs> that it is now. Right. You know, there was there was a few like message forums for certain things, not really a whole lot for wrestling. Okay. Uh, other than WWF.com, dot com, right. there wasn't a lot of wrestling on the internet either. You know, mm-hmm. there there was maybe a couple like news sites or something like that, but they were not easily accessible or well known to to everybody. Right. And uh, there was no social media, you know, so there's no YouTube, there's no Facebook, no MySpace, no Twitter, no uh, Instagram, nothing. So there's no interconnectivity whatsoever. Uh, So uh, like I if I did when I did shows, uh, eventually when I started that uh, towards the end of that year, um, you you would have to write directions down on like a piece of paper, a napkin. If you get lost, you have to pull into a gas (laughs) station and use a coin uh, like telephone you know that that's a payphone you know that's how it used to be so (laughs) i preface it by by explaining first this was the year so that and and most people didn't have cell phones either at that time not not a lot of people it it was not the way it is now so (laughs) when i started i knew what i wanted to do i just didn't know how to do it and there was really nobody to ask like now you can just go on Twitter or something and you could kind of get an answer in, in minutes. At that time it was, you were, you had to research like Indiana Jones and shit. It's like, true. I'm not kidding. <laughs> so, um, so that's what I did, you know, and, and most guys I knew from their careers, like, you know, they did amateur wrestling 
uh, growing up and to start out. So I thought, okay, well, I'll uh, I'll wrestle in high school, and oh, then okay. I guess it'll sort itself out. Right. That's what I thought, you okay. know. Um, but uh, I went in during the summer before my freshman year, and I went in the to the office, and they said they didn't have an amateur program. They'd uh, gotten rid of it years before. Oh, wow. So then I was like, well, I don't know what to do now. So I just started writing letters, like okay. physical letters. Oh, to, wow. <laughs> to tra- tra- yeah, to training gyms that you okay. see in, like, say, PWI magazine, stuff sure. like that. So, okay. like, I wrote to, like, Dean Malenko. Uh, Sean's school hadn't opened up yet, I don't think, but he had, like, you could get information on it or something like that. So I wrote to, okay. to Texas, to them, oh, wow. uh, to some of the places in, like, Philadelphia or, like, Ohio, like, just, you know. Stuff like that. Larry Sharp, I think. <laughs> Stuff like that. And um, all pro wrestling in San Francisco, which for me was six hours away, even that. Yeah. So a lot of these places, you had to be 18, maybe 21 years old to start. That's That was usually the common thing back then. You had to be like at least an adult, but sometimes like college age. You know, that was like what they kind of set. And, um, and uh, so for that reason, a lot of the places I couldn't go anyway if not all of them right. and uh, and i couldn't relocate i was 13 years old so there's i'm at the mercy of, of geography <laughs> but it during uh my i think during summer school or something like that i i met a kid in one of my classes who had a, a wrestling shirt on and i talked to him a little bit he liked wrestling and he had uh he was a, a grade or two older than me maybe and okay. he had actually started wrestling training himself at a gym at a gym in um no he wasn't training himself oh okay (laughs) he he himself had started training sorry okay there you go i was gonna say this guy must be a genius no 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 no. (laughs) he had started training at a at a training gym in san bernardino nearby where i lived okay and uh, through him i found out that that existed Mm. and like i said you know like 1998 the the I didn't know it existed because there's no advertising for it. You just don't know. know. So I found out about that and I, and through that, so I went there and got started. And then through that, I came to find out that just being, you know, in the Los Angeles area, there's a lot of like authentic Lucha Libre gyms that are kind of just a hole in the wall. They're just everywhere, you know, like, like kind of like, (laughs) like the Apollo Creed gym in Rocky (laughs) three or whatever, you know, just these small little places that are hot and sweltering and super gritty, but they'll teach you how to work. Right. Uh, and, um, and they didn't care that, you know, that that's the beauty of Lucha Libre. And this is really what it came down to the serendipity of it is that they like, that's super unregulated. So they didn't care. Mm-hmm. That culture is like, if you could walk, you could wrestle. So if you can get in the ring and you, you, and if you don't quit, then we'll right. teach you how to do it. Wow. So, I got started, and before I knew it, I'm sitting on this podcast with you. 20 years went by real fast. Wow. So. <laughs> That's crazy. So how old were you when you had your first match? Was it 18 for New Japan? Because I know you went there and became a young boy and was in the dojo and all that stuff. So when, um, when did no, you have... I was actually 13. I only oh. had my first match like a couple weeks after I started training. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I would tag along. So what it would be is I would go to training every night during the week. I just fell right into it. And um, a lot of the guys, so the the training school was attached to a a local card that had shows every two weeks, sometimes every week. But the guys would go out and try to get um, added on to other other wrestling cards. And like I said, there's a lot of Lucha Libre in 
Southern California. So there was, there's always a card going on every week somewhere where guys can kind of get added on. Cause usually a typical Lucha Libre card advertises maybe two or three matches, but they'll put on maybe five or six. Right. So, um, uh, the guys would go and try to get extra matches and I would just tag along with them. And I got added to some matches. That's how my first few matches early on, like August of 98 was okay. what, like what I would, I would just tag along with them, get added in and get my ass kicked and, you know, that's how I cut my teeth on it. Um, so they'd throw me in a mask and it was always some other person's mask too, which was the funny thing. Cause I'd wear it and people would tell me, you know, that that's so, and I'm like, yes, I know. But I can't, they won't <laughs> let me in the ring if I don't wear this. So what do you want me to tell you? <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> well, I wanted to touch on that too. Your whole, the whole Puma gimmick. Was it debuted yeah. in new Japan? Was that where the origins was from? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how was that whole new Japan experience, especially being that young? Well, I, um, let's see the first few years, uh, 13 through, I don't know, about 16 or so. Um, I was just doing what, uh, like what I had said there, I'd tag along to shows. I would train throughout the week every night. And then on like a Friday, I would ditch school on like a Friday morning. I'd leave sometime, uh, during one of the early periods and I would catch a ride with somebody to a show that Friday night, wherever it might be. So we might wrestle in, in Los Angeles nearby or uh, down South in San Diego or something, or just a, somewhere that's except like San Francisco, Phoenix, Vegas, whatever. Um, and then we would do the show and I would just see who's on whatever show mm. the, the next night that I was either scheduled to be at, or I wanted to be on. So okay. I'd say, okay, well, who's going to the show in Vegas or Phoenix or whatever? Okay. You, I'm going to jump in your car. And mm-hmm. then I would jump in their car and ride to that show on a Saturday night. Then the next night I was like, okay, who's doing the auditorio show in Tijuana or the show in San Diego on like Sunday. And then I would jump in their car and get there. And then oh, on yeah. after the show on Sunday, I'd say, okay, who, who is from the LA area or like the San Bernardino area? And can just drop me back off on Monday morning and I would go back to school Monday morning. And that's what I did for the first three or four years. Just if I could get two, three shows strung together, I would just jump up in whoever's car and ride with them wherever we needed to go. Um, so, uh, around, I don't know, 2000, maybe 99, 2000, I was about 16. And, um, uh, there was a developmental for the WWF at the time. Oh, okay. uh, they hadn't changed their name yet. And they that's where Cena and Victoria and some uh, got started and, and trained there. And uh, so it was kind of like NXT. They had their local uh, TV tapings and they had the training center. And they allowed me to do the, the shows and the training. Oh, wow. Uh, but, but I just wasn't, you know, I, I was underage, so I wasn't going to be under contract right. or anything like that. It was just... Like I was good enough to be there, so they allowed me to be there, and then that was it. So it'd be gotcha. like if somebody was really good in, say, like Orlando, and sure. NXT said, "Okay, you can come train in the PC. You could do NXT on Wednesday nights or whatever." But that's mm-hmm. that's kind of it. You're not going to get called up. Right. You're not under a gotcha. contract. Okay. But you But we'll 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 uh, we'll put you to work, and and we'll we'll have you around. That's kind of how it was. Okay. For me. Okay. Makes so sense. after about a year or so they cut ties with WWF and WWF moved on to like OVW and like deep right. South and those other ones, what you know, now. Yeah. And UPW, uh, was more business minded than they were wrestling. So mm. they looked for, you know, the next opportunity to, um, 
sort of be like a farm system. So they okay. connected with Zero One. Right. Uh, Zero One had just started. So that's how when you saw guys like Samoa Joe make their debut in Japan when they were younger. Right. Uh, Joe, Joe's the same generation as me. We started at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in the same place, but at the same time. Right. Uh, we're both from California. So I've known him like my, my entire like career. Right. He's, he's always been like a big brother to me. That's um, awesome. so that's how Joe ended up in Japan is through zero one. Cause oh. he was at UPW at the time. Okay. He otherwise, otherwise he was kind of sitting on the outskirts of WWF's radar because mm-hmm. he was there. That's, that's what he was there for. Okay. Um, so through zero one, I met the Inoki family. Mm. Uh, the Inoki family was helping their office and they wanted to set up a new gym in Los Angeles as uh, a new Japan affiliate. Okay. So they set up what was called the LA Dojo, the mm-hmm. original one, and they needed to a uh, class of recruits and they handpicked me, the Havana Pitbulls, and then later uh, American Dragon joined us. Uh, everybody knows us, Daniel Bryan. Yes. And, uh, and we basically, I mean, we literally hung up the bags in the gym. Like we, we, we rolled out the mats, hung up the bags, put up the ring and we were the first guys there. So the other guys are a little older than me. Uh, so new Japan used them as just primary performers, but in me, because I was so young, I was 17 when they recruited me. So they looked at me as an opportunity of, uh, you know, he could be like more of a homegrown guy. So I became a young boy in their system and, and like, you know, I stayed in Benoit's dorm room in Tokyo, and oh, I did wow. all that, like swept the floors and, right. and would uh, live in the dojo and stuff like that. Uh, and that's that's how I got into New Japan. That's crazy. So do you enjoy wrestling under a mask, or is it something that you were just always wrong place? No, I shouldn't say wrong place, wrong time, but that you just happened so be that they wanted you to have a mask on. Um. I, I enjoy it. I, I like playing characters. So I've had like 10 different uh, mass characters throughout the my career. Um, I kind of look at wrestling, I guess, maybe like... Maybe the way that like Johnny Depp looks at movies, you know? Like okay. it's not really about... Like I, I don't want to just be great necessarily as myself and like win an Oscar or like be held in like this one place in history or whatever in my industry. Like to me, it's just about having fun doing all this different stuff. Right. So I've always enjoyed playing a different character doing whatever, like Mm -hmm. that, like all these other characters, like, cause there's Puma, you know, but then new Japan had also given me a different character called Cobra two, which was uh, like the second of the original Cobra, which was Cobra was during, the dynamite kid and tiger mask generation, the oh, wow. original Cobra. Okay. So when they, when they made a new black tiger, which was Rocky Romero, they made right. me Cobra. So oh. that was like a retro gimmick that they kind of handed down. So they, right. there was Puma, there was Cobra. There was an offshoot of blue demon that I had, oh, wow. that I had for a brief period of time. Okay. Um, there was uh, Sadistico for Lucha Libre USA. There's El Bombero for uh, Lucha Vavum, which I, it's always like people see it on like <laughs> my Instagram and stuff like that. Right. Um, you know, there's Suicide, Suicide yeah. Impact. Exactly. Um, so there's there's been a lot. And to me, that those are like my, you know, Edward Scissorhands and Jack Sparrow and Sweeney Todd. And like those are like my different like characters. I, I enjoy being able to do that, the diversity of it, as opposed to saying, oh, I was like, you know, TJ Perkins the whole time. And I was right. like this champion and this champion and this champion. And I got 
to this title and I main evented this like that stuff was cool, I guess. But to me, it's, it was more about having fun with all that stuff. So, um, so I enjoy wrestling in a mask, uh, but I enjoy wrestling without it. I like being myself right. in a way myself now is just a combination of all these things. I just oh. take pieces of them that were really more myself, you know? Right. Um, but Puma came about because I had graduated being a young boy. And so they said, you know, it's time for you to kind of come into your own. And, uh, there was a lot of, um, comparisons, the way we move and stuff like that. And obviously mm. like I idolized Tiger Mask. He was one of my, he was right here actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, you got him on you too. So the, yeah. The, 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 <laughs> the interview won't show it, but I'm, <laughs> I'm currently showing off a tattoo on my elbow of Tiger Mask. Wow. Um, and uh, so because of that, they said, "Well, why don't we, um, why don't we see if we can come up with a character for you that you can grow into like that?" And uh, so that we came up with that. Oh, that's fucking awesome. Okay, one other thing I want to touch on before we get into your WWE career here. I also read somewhere that you were homeless at one point. Is this correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Please tell me it's homeless because of your love for wrestling and chasing the dream, not because you had no other choice and you were homeless. Uh, it's more the latter. Uh, oh, really? But it, it's it started because of the former, but okay, but it's more more the latter. So the thing was like when so it was touched on a little bit in WWE programming. We they like the bare bones of it, just the fact that I was homeless or whatever. But okay. um in on WWE programming like the way that it was referenced at least like sometimes by other characters like say like Brian Kendrick referenced it right okay okay um and but he referenced it being you know being a bad guy so mm. he's you know drawing comparisons well you know all wrestlers are young and starving and but <laughs> we all had to do that that sort of thing but that's not why I was homeless that's just what he said so a lot of people oh. took that as gospel like like okay. oh he was just like training and like eating ramen and kind of sleeping yeah, in his that, car sometimes. that's exactly what i was thinking yeah <laughs> yeah yeah like he could have went home he just didn't want to right like that's not at no that's oh, not wow. at all the case whatever whatsoever like so what what it all was really was i reached a point in time around 2007 um by the time i was 21 i kind of already knocked out my bucket list i had already done oh, wow. like dark matches for wwe i had you know done tna and like you know pay-per-views and tv tapings and stuff like that i had lived in mexico lived in japan done the tokyo dome arena mexico uh cmll everything that i wanted to do i did right by then so after that it was just kind of like you know ring of honor like all that stuff Right, right and so for a few years, I was just kind of bouncing around between all these different things. You know, Mm. I would do ring of honor. I would do TNA for a little bit. And then I would kind of go back on tour, new Japan, come back to the States, go back to Mexico, come back to Japan, like all that stuff. Right. And around 2006 or seven, I did a, I got a lot of opportunities to come in to do like dark matches and stuff for WWE. And I thought, well, maybe it's time I actually try to give it a shot to go there. Like I had kind of been there, but not really looked at it as an opportunity. I just thought, well, this is kind of a cool thing and I'll do it and then I'll go back to my own thing. But now I was kind of thinking, all right, I'm I was going to say I'm getting a little older, but I was only like 22 at the time. But But I was like, okay, I'm not a teenager anymore. Maybe I have a shot at kind of getting into the company. So, um, 
know, I did all these, I would go to TV and do all these dark matches and things. And, um, and it was recommended to me by Tommy Dreamer, actually, that maybe you should mm. go down to Florida and try to get in front of a different part of the company and see if you can get in that way. Oh, okay. Um, and like I said in the beginning, you know, all this stuff, these are all landmarks to my life. I believe you got to go out and chase your dreams. You know, when I, when I was in CMLL, I lived in Mexico, lived in Mexico City. When I was in Japan, I lived in Tokyo. When, right. you know, I lived in Canada. I lived on the East Coast. I lived, you know, all these different places. That's crazy. Um, so... I said, okay, you're, you're right. And I packed up the car and drove to Tampa and walked on at FCW. I, I uh, basically quit every place I was working. So New Japan, TNA, Ring of Honor, all of it. I said, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I'm, right. I'm focusing on this now. Okay. Um, so I walked in at FCW. Uh, I told them I had never wrestled before because I didn't want that stigma. Oh, so like that was, smart. that was kind of like, not like it was a hard thing, but. I think a lot of people might have trouble with that, like kind of swallowing their pride. But like to me, I felt it was necessary for them to not look at me with some kind of judgment. So I just say, I just, I want to wrestle here and I've never really wrestled before. So I just walked on like a brand new student at FCW in their camp. They knew after like one day, (laughs) you clearly have wrestled before. Right. But I was there for, you know, a few months and um, I tried to uh to just get a secondary job and do indies as much as i could on the weekends when i wasn't at the camp in fcw Mm -hmm. um but uh this was if well for americans uh will know this was when the recession hit so and not only did the recession hit but florida was like the worst place to be in if when the recession hit it was like there was no work to be had right and I was a 23-year-old who had wrestled all his life, so I had no work experience. I barely Shit. finished high school. So right. I have, like, for those places who were willing to give an opportunity to somebody, I had the worst resume in the world because it's like this guy has never even had a job. How can we trust him to have a job? Of course. Um, so I was at FCW for a few months. All my uh, And then um, they said, we don't really have an opportunity for you uh you know, we, we, uh, thank you for, for being here and putting in your time, but we got nothing for you. So that was it. And so I finished up the camp there and, uh, you know, TNA, New Japan, Ring of Honor, all these places that I had been before had filled up their spots now because now the, you know, Young Bucks and Kenny Omegas and Kevin Steens and Genericos had come up and now they're like the cream of the crop. So like Mm -hmm. there was, you know, I, I left stuff on the table that I can't get back now. And, um, so, you know, it's basically, I gambled on getting in and I didn't. Mm. And so then it was starting all over and then, uh, you know, not being able to get a regular job. And I tried everything. I tried cleaning pools. I tried applying to pump gas overnight, moving boxes in a warehouse. I tried being a janitor at a high school, everything. And nobody, nobody would give me a job. So, you know, eventually I just ran out of racetrack and got evicted and then right. was sleeping in laundromats and collecting coins in Walmart parking lot in the middle of the night just wow. so I could eat. And and then as far as wrestling goes, I didn't even want to wrestle anymore. Like, cause I, after being homeless for a little bit mm-hmm. and the bad thing was too, back home in Los Angeles, my parents had gone through a divorce and they went bankrupt as well oh, wow. because of the recession. So okay. they lost their house and my parents were also homeless. That's that part sucks. of the story that never gets told. Right. Um, so, Wow. I would kind of call them and like, okay, if I can just save up 
or borrow some money from somebody, I'll drive home. Mm-hmm. And then they would they would be telling me on the other end, we need a place to go. Wow. Can you help us? I'm like, I can't help you, but I need help. And they're like, we have nothing. So my dad was living in a trailer um, off the side of the road. My mom had to move in with different uh, people and bounce around and couch surf. And she right. lost her job too. She had to like try to apply at like Starbucks and stuff and start her life all over at like, you know, 50 years old. Shit. Yeah. Um, and I was, you know, starving. I couldn't get a job anywhere. So it was bad. It wasn't like, I wasn't like a broke college wrestling student. Right. that was like, Oh, I, I just don't want to go home. I'm going to make this work. I, yeah, yeah. I tried not to wrestle. I wanted Fine. not to wrestle anymore. I used to get so mad at night. I would like, I don't know if you're a religious person. I am. Yeah, I was I am. raised Catholic. So yeah, me too. Like, I, uh, you know, I used to pray every night and I, I was so mad. I would tell God, I like, don't make me wrestle anymore. I right. don't want this. If you wanted me to have this, then I would be somewhere or doing something with it. I'm a waste of these gifts. I don't want this anymore because I'm, I'm literally starving. Right. I just want to be able to help my family and that's it. Just let me get this <laughs> pool cleaning job or something. <laughs> right. I don't want to do this anymore. But the only way I could eat was to do these shit shows on like Tuesday, Wednesday night. Okay. in these bars and and like and like billiard halls in tampa for like 10 15 bucks wow just so i can eat the next day you know and yeah. that's what i would do and then i would do like like little indies on the weekends that were a little bit bigger than that and then okay. little by little it was like i would get on bed i literally just started my career over i just started getting on better indies and then right. eventually i got on other stuff then went back to japan for for a, a match and then Little by little got back to, I just had a whole second career, but there was a point in time I was literally like just sleeping in laundromats and starting all over and I didn't even want to wrestle anymore, but it was like, I had to do it to eat and I, yeah, I just hated it. I I was like, I don't want to want this anymore. Like, uh, I begged God, please don't make me wrestle anymore because it's, it is like, it felt cruel because it was like, you won't let me do it in the way that I. A had already done it. Like right. I, I went from the Tokyo Dome to these dive bars in That's the span crazy. of like a year. Yeah. And, um, but I had to do it or else I was going to starve. That was the only way I could make money because nobody would give me a regular job. Well, so. well, when it's meant to be, it's meant to be. I guess that, that phrase is true in, in your case, right? <laughs> Shit. Well, it's funny too because there's, there's, if people don't believe that God works in mysterious ways, like for me, it's so crazy because, um, you know, a lot of my first big breaks, like my first time I did like world or like, like nationwide television, I guess it was kind of worldwide technically, but, and like pay-per-view and stuff like that. I was like 19 or 20 maybe. And I did TNA and it was like pay-per-view and TV tapings and stuff. And then they're in Orlando. And then I moved to Florida to, uh, to go to WWE. And that's how I ended up homeless. Mm. And, uh, it's funny because WWE told the homeless story, but I never really (laughs) told them that I was homeless because of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, they celebrated it, but I, I, I was like, you know, I, it's, it's, you're the reason why I was homeless. I, went, oh I was God. trying to get in with you guys. Um, <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, you know, so I, you know, so that like it was that it's weird. Geographically, Florida was a place of such a great um, high for me, right. you know, early on. And then later on, it was like the lowest of the low. And then later on, like my, one of my first, uh, really, 
I think, good opportunities with Ring of Honor when I started getting back on my feet. Ring mm-hmm. of Honor was the second place I because I, I, I moved on to a show called Lucha Libre USA, did a few seasons with them. Okay. That's how I saved up enough to finally like move home and like like um, help my mom get back on her feet. Like, it, I mean, people don't realize how much money it takes to just drive across the country. It's right. hard. Yeah. Like, you can't just be poor and say I'm going to go home. Like, <laughs> I know. You, when you have to drive two. 2,000 miles, 3,000 miles, like, it, it, you have to, like, find a place where you get ahead, like, $500, you know, right. and even then, you have to starve and sleep in your car just to get home, yep. but you could, so it took forever just to get that threshold so I can go back and try to save my mom, oh, oh my God. Um, but, you know, uh, Ring of Honor was, uh, you know, one of the first shows I had there was like somewhere like in I don't know St. Petersburg or like Fort Lauderdale, and right. I was like, that's that like okay, I got to go back to Florida for this. And then my first show of Suicide when I signed back with TNA okay. was in Tampa. Oh, okay. And and then after that, you know, I spent a few years there, four years or whatever, and then WWE called and said we want to do this cruiserweight uh, tournament. Right. And they said it's going to be in Orlando, <laughs> and it's like I can't. There's some cosmic significance <laughs> for me with Florida that is both the bane of my existence right. and also like you know the the place of my greatest um, my greatest uh, things. It's right. like it's like my clock tower from Back to the Future. Like I'm tied oh, to it significantly that's right. in some way. You know? <laughs> Can't escape it. Oh my god. Okay, so you touched on it, the CWC. So how did all that come to be? How how did okay from First contact to you winning it all to becoming the champ. How did all that come about for you? Uh, so I, I just uh, my contract was up at Impact. I chose not to resign, and we just parted ways mutually. And okay. I was just kind of wanted to be a free agent again and do my own thing. Um, I didn't really want to do just go back to the indies. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Maybe go back to Mexico or Japan or something. So I just kind of floated for a year. I did the projects I wanted. And then otherwise I just didn't do what I didn't want to do. And then, uh, they called and said they were doing this. It was, it was regal that called me and, uh, asked if I was interested. And I said, sure. At this time, WWE was not on my bucket list anymore. Like I didn't really care if I went there. Okay. Um, but I did know that, like just from speaking like i was i guess i'm getting a little older so i kind of knew like um you know i would run into fans at say meet and greets right okay. that were like x division fans in 2004 5 6 around that time right, right. and they used to they would meet me in say like 2012 or 13 when i would do like impact meet and greets and they'd okay. say you know man like 8 10 years ago or whatever like it was this this is what got me into wrestling. Like they were maybe teenagers at the time. So now they're like 26 years old or whatever. And they're hooked on wrestling. And they would tell me, and it was like crazy. Cause that's how I used to look at the WCW cruiserweight division. Oh, like, you know, right. Guerrero, Malenko, Jericho, Benoit, Ray, all these guys, of they got course. me into wrestling, not got me into it, but like, that was, a, that was my, that was a significant piece of my upbringing. Right. And so then I was meeting these people that now I had been around long enough that I was part of something that, was their upbringing so when the cruiserweight tournament came even though i didn't really think about necessarily going to wwe Mm -hmm. i knew that that would kind of be like this generation's jacob so i was like okay this is going to be a significant thing i should i should definitely 
you know, do this. Right. I don't have to stay, and I probably won't stay. It doesn't really matter. Right. I didn't really think about that. Okay. Um, so, you know, they they, uh, they asked me to do it. I said, sure. They, they asked me to help kind of build it a little bit, and so I'd recommend certain names to them and people that maybe they were missing or that wasn't on the radar. Right. Uh, they put the tournament together, and then after round one, they asked me who I wanted in the finals. Oh wow! And so I knew I knew from round one that I was at least going to the end. Okay. And uh, they gave me a choice between Metallic or Zach, and I chose right. Zach because I'd known Zach. I, I know Metallic really well too. We're good friends, but mm-hmm. I knew Zach really well, and I wanted to to have that match. Um, but they wanted to go with Metallic probably just because the styles are a little bit more diverse. They right. want to do it that way. Makes um, sense. And because me, me and Zach might be a little bit more straightforward, so me and Metallica would probably cover more ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that was that's how that went about. So I, I progressed through the uh, tournament. Every time I would come back through the curtain, Hunter and uh, Sean Regal, all those all the guys would be waiting for me. I right. didn't know if that was normal or not, but <laughs> okay. it just it like I they were definitely kind of taking care of me in that way, and they they were wanted me to, they were happy to see me succeed so i uh you know we got to the end and um i wasn't even under contract when i won i didn't oh, have wow. a, i didn't sign i didn't sign my contract until before the pay-per-view um afterward when i did i think clash sometime during that week okay. after i'd won is when 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 i finally um came to an agreement on a contract um so that's the other thing. A lot of people think, well, he only <laughs> he only won because he was under contract, but like they were still negotiating with like Zach and Coda and those guys. Right. Coda he, Coda ended up staying and coming back in for NXT and doing some other stuff, but um, right, right. but me, I told him I didn't know if I wanted to stay. You know, I, I kind of wanted to do Lucha Underground. Nice. Um, yeah. And there Love was it. there was a bunch of yeah, and like Japan. There's a lot of stuff I kind of wanted to do, and I wasn't sure. It was really like Regal had pulled me aside one day after one of the rounds and kind of said, look, they're probably going to offer you something at some point when they do, like you might be like at the right age to settle down for a little while in one spot. Cause I had always bounced around. I I like, I've always liked to bounce around, but he was like, really kind of talked me into (laughs) it. Like, you know, you're, you're, uh, (laughs) you have responsibilities now and you're getting older. Like you should, uh, you're in your prime or you're entering your prime. You should, you should settle down for a little while. It's about time you put in the time. So, so, you know, stay here for a while. So I did. And, um, and yeah, so, but yeah, I could like just not <laughs> after I won the title. Like, just not, but everybody knows I wasn't even under contract when I won. Well, that's good. Yeah, I thought you were under because that's the whole thing too. Again, I'm I I try not to read the the internet and all that to see the spoilers and shit because to yeah. me I'm, I'm a wrestling fan. Like I like to enjoy it fresh. I like to like the whole point of to me of wrestling is the sh- the shock factor too. Not only the wrestling itself, right? So right, I try right. and st- stay away from all that. But I knew going in that they were sort of wanting Zach and and Coda and those were the two guys you were focusing on, but they weren't really under contract. So then in my mind, it was like, okay, they're going with these two guys in the final. I'm like, oh, it has to be TJ because he's under contract. Like, he, he must have signed or something. <laughs> so I was one of those people, too. Well, actually, yeah. Yeah. No, the reality of it was, because I, I remember the exact night that they brought everybody in, because everybody started their negotiations all at the same time. Oh, all okay. All, um, all, like, 30 of us or 20 of us, however many was still left. Because it was after, right. like, I think round two. 
Oh, okay. They brought us all into the theater at Full Sail. We all sat together, and there was maybe two or three different reps from WWE, like Regal was one, Canyon from NXT was one, and, and I don't know, maybe Hunter. Sure. And they would meet with guys individually. We all just kind of sat in a group mm. in this giant theater, <laughs> and one at a time we would go to one of those three kind of stations, kind of, and we would okay. they would kind of tell us what they wanted and, and, mm. and, and put out offers. So Zach and... One Zach was was under contract. All the all the UK guys were under an actual contract. They oh. couldn't process a visa without it. So technically, okay. Zach was under contract okay. for I don't know a few months or something like that. Sure. Um, so he would have been the safest bet if they wanted to put the title on somebody. Because <laughs> even if he chose to like leave after those few months that his visa and, and short term thing was up, right. he was technically a WWE employee before anybody else. Oh wow! Him and Jack, him, Jack, Noam, those guys were, right, were right. under contract. Okay. Um, Metallic denied his right out the gate because he wanted more money. Oh wow! Um, so I don't even think he was under contract when we were in the finals. He he was the one that was probably playing the hardest to get because he had more concern he has a family and kids and stuff in mexico so you know he and he had a pretty good career going as far as being able to do either cmll new japan both at the same time so he for him it was a big money issue that he didn't want to just relocate with his kids and everything and not be you know have certain things met so he was the hardest for them to get um, I had told them about like because I had already talked to Lucha Underground and I kind of wanted to go back to Japan. So I yeah. told them I'd have to wait if they wanted to offer anything. So I told them I, <laughs> I probably won't stay. Okay. Coda was the closest, other than Zach. Coda was. It's funny because Zach and Coda were actually the closest. They were oh, the wow. safest bets, but they chose yeah. not to go with them. But I. Uh, That's funny. After having been there. One thing I came to understand is they they do stuff like that on purpose. Like so they put Zach and Coda in different brackets. Right. They do that on purpose because they know WWE fans are going to fantasy book it. Gotcha. Yeah. But that but that the intention was never to have them in the finals. Oh. At any point. Right. But they know they know that the fans will fantasy book it. So then that advertises itself. Of course. So so now they can work on an entirely separate direction that they want to go in because mm-hmm. that first direction is already going to hook people in they right. don't need to actually do it they just need to make it look like it could happen of course yeah so since that's such an easy thing that's what that's why they do that sort of thing but so then to other people they're like well it's obvious that's where it was going to go but it it, it was never going to go like that because they asked me in round one right who i wanted so you knew so in round in from round one i knew coda wasn't going through right so i knew i knew that much because we were in the same bracket but um, but yeah, so I mean, they, they just, it was really more of a living, breathing decision than people think it was. Right. You know, they, they kind of identified a path they wanted to go to and saw it through to the end. And me and me and Metallic for sure were not the same bets. We <laughs> both could have walked after and it would have That's never true. been. <laughs> My God, can you imagine? All for nothing, right? I guess it would have been for. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but you know, like just like how the J Cup was, like they, you know, it, it even existing in a vacuum, it was a special thing. That's true, right? And, and the in the May Young Classic, yeah, there's lot, another one. There yeah, wa- there, wa- yeah, there wasn't a high turnover of people that stayed after the May Young. No, you're right. Um, and but that doesn't make it less special. It's still a really cool thing to have existed in history, and I think that's yeah. really more what they were going for is just to have something that it's like this was a special moment in time. Gotcha. Well, it's true because they haven't done a second one either, so. I guess it, yeah, it makes it even yeah. more special just to have one. Yeah. 
another thing I want to touch about your WWE career was your entrance theme. Because I'm a huge gamer. So the oh, first, okay. yeah, yeah. first time I heard it, right away came to my mind, Mega Man, obviously. I assume right, that's right. what you were going for. So how much input did you have? Like, did you pitch this or was this pitched to you? Like, what, what happened here? Uh, well, after the tournament was over, um, CFO Money called me. And they said, well, we got, we're going to work on uh, music for you. Did, did you like what you had in, in CWC? And I right. said, well, it's, a, it's an okay song, but that's not really my style. Because uh, it was very, like, alt-rock, Florida rock, you know? Okay, gotcha. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I like rock. I like punk rock a lot, you know? And I like some alt-rock, but, like, it just wasn't really my style. And I was like, this is really what I would like to do. And I kind of explained to them that, like, it's like I wanted to build an aesthetic for like say Scott Pilgrim, Ready Player One, that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Stuff stuff that um, you know was part of like I'm 34, so like stuff that was like my generation. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to build that, and so I told I gave it. Well, first <laughs> that's what I wanted to explain to them, but actually, <laughs> the, what really happened was they said, "Give us a list of your favorite artists, okay. and we'll come up with something." But my list was all over the fucking place <laughs> because i gave them a list now they're like give, give tell us give us a short list of your favorite artists like five or ten of them or whatever and i was like mm-hmm. okay uh tupac uh elvis uh <laughs> wow. blink 182 uh <laughs> billy holiday uh Shit. you know and it was like nothing was related at right. all uh, black rebel motorcycle club <laughs> Uh, you know, I was just giving them all kinds of different stuff. Rancid. Um, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> and so then they're like, okay, well, we'll work on this. And then like 20 minutes later, I'm like, what the fuck did I just say to them? Right. So I called them back and I said, look, this is what I really want to do. Can you, can you make something that sounds like, you know, Mega Man mixed with like sex bomb and like just th- that this is what I'm going for. And they said, you know what? I think we know exactly what you want. And then they they went, put that together, came back, and I said, this is beautiful. This is fucking amazing. So then when the music came in, I went to the production guys at Raw. Okay. And I said, can we build a a screen like this like like marvel vs capcom power bars right like energy bars and and mega man and like power-ups like they you know like the cherries and the turkey legs and yes. coins and stuff exactly. you know like i basically said mega man super mario world marvel vs capcom just build that Makes and sense. that's what they built and then yep. that's what we came up with no it's fantastic so again you were a gamer i assume then Yes, very much so. Okay, what's okay? I hate to ask this because myself being a gamer, it's hard to come up with it on the spot. But give or take, top five games that you've played all time, just so I can get uh, a verse here. I shot, I shot a video for Up Up Down Down where I did, I did my top five. Oh, did you? Okay, so let's go with Um, your number one then. What's your favorite game of all time? Ooh, so that's the hard part. I don't know if I did mine in in any particular order, but if I had to pick just one. I might say Super Mario World. Really? Uh, yeah, just that might just be because of the the point in time that I was playing it. It's just the one I dove into the most, and that for me that has the highest replayability. Like, I could start that one over and play it through, true. Uh, like so many times. Um, but I, on my list, I had Mario World, I had Mega Man Two. Yeah, I had Re- Resident Evil 2, the yeah. original one, but I like the new remake, obviously, that came out. I think okay. that's just always been my favorite story in the series. Right, me the too. PlayStation and, yeah. and Leon. It's just such a cool setting. 
So true. Uh, and the two different paths, you know, you have to, you could finish it two different ways. You know, right. I liked that. Um, let's see what else I have on there. Uh, for contemporaries, I had Overwatch. Overwatch okay. is, is start is really growing on me. I think that's going to go down in history as like a, an all time great. It's kind of like it. I, th- I feel like Overwatch is like the golden eye of our gener of this generation. Gotcha. It's, it's the big group game, and it's, right. it's it has such staying power, you know. Uh, and I might have had Goldeneye on there actually, um, but that that was about my five. Like Mario World is really like my my jam, like my favorite one ever. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah, because I think mine. I had Resident Evil two because I, I did a top five too mm-hmm. when I first started podcasting, and I can't remember. It's Resident Evil's on there. Um, I believe Grand Theft Auto. One of them. I don't remember mm-hmm. which one. Uh, probably San Andreas because again, I spent a lot of time on Borderlands. Is another favorite of mine. I spent ah, so yeah, many yeah. hours on Borderlands. So I'm an Assassin's Creed fan as well. So okay, yeah, yeah, yeah just stuff like C- that. Cedric is a big Assassin's Creed guy. Oh, is he? <laughs> Yeah, Cedric and Lindsay and Rich Swan and I would all split a car and, and split rooms and stuff. And okay. every night we would set up, it was like a LAN party in our rooms. Because oh, we shit. would either get one room okay. or connected rooms. And all four of us had PlayStations out and like projector screens or whatever oh, wow. we played it on. Like right. all over the room. <laughs> and Cedric, Cedric was the only one not on a multiplayer. He was always on Assassin's Creed. Yeah, I'm like um, that too. I don't do multiplayer, yeah. man. I can't. <laughs> it's not my yeah, thing. We were always we were always either all on like say Friday or maybe uh, Overwatch or just two K. We like we would jump on and just have random matches on two K. But Cedric right. was always on Assassin's Creed. He's a big Assassin's Creed guy. Oh, that's cool. So, what about currently? What do you? What's in your? Okay, what are you playing? Do you are you an Xbox guy, PlayStation guy, Switch? Um, uh, a PlayStation guy. I uh, and Switch as well. Okay. Um, on my Switch, I have, uh, let's see, I was trying to finish Mega Man 11, and oh, okay. uh, I just just jumped into Cuphead, because uh, I, I, I just needed something to pick up and play, and every, I wanted to see what all the rage was about, and I love the art style for Cuphead. Okay. Um, uh, and But on, on PlayStation is what I, I have mostly, and let's see, I got... Uh, well, Overwatch still, and so over, Overwatch and Fortnite because of the group playability and sure. uh, uh, in, in that it's just the easiest one. And, and Fortnite because it had crossover play. So if I okay. have my Switch when I'm traveling, I could still gotcha. play with all my friends who are on my PlayStation group. Makes sense. Um, but the, yeah, uh, but like those uh, Friday for a while, Dead by Daylight. Um, oh, wow. uh, let's see, Battlefront one or two. I still try to go back and play one. Uh, <laughs> Willie Mac and I love Battlefront One. It's just hard to get in on a server with any players on it. Oh, okay. uh, I'm still trying to finish some of the side stories on Resident Evil Two. Um, I haven't started Final Fantasy Fourteen yet. I think it's Fourteen. Um, uh, what's what? The one with the cars, the, with the car, and it's like a boy band group kind of. I think that's either Fourteen or Fifteen. Um, it's just been sitting, um, and all the sports games I always play every year. You know, I always have Madden and MLB, two okay. uh, kit, you know, NBA, and, right. uh, all that. Um, uh, so yeah, that's that's really what my rotation is. It's, it's a little all over the map. Um, I have Tekken Seven, Marvel's Capcom, uh, the the whatever the latest one was. Right. I need to get Mortal Kombat. Everybody jumped on that. I haven't yet. But. Yeah, I heard that's very good. It's very getting very. They're, apparently, they're saying it's the best one of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be really, really good. This one, but yeah, I got I got a little bit of everything going on. 
Oh, that's pretty cool. So are, have you been keeping up with E3? Do you know what's going on? Have you seen the, what's upcoming? I, I, I'm like a couple days behind, but I was really excited and waiting for the Animal Crossing uh, announcement up. because I was such a huge Animal Crossing guy. Oh, Still wow. Yeah, uh, ever since GameCube, I've just been hooked on that one. But it, like, you know, uh, yeah. So I was waiting on that, and then um, uh, I was actually almost be able to go to it because I oh, had wow. some days off in Los Angeles uh, here this week or whatever coming up, and I was gonna try to fill my time and maybe uh, uh, catch up on it. But like, I don't know. I'm like a day behind a little bit. Like, I'll, I'll find okay. out some stuff a little late. Like, some right. friends will. Plug me in on it. So. <laughs> well, what I'm looking forward to, I don't know if you heard of these ones, but one is the new Marvel Avengers game. That looks pretty cool. Yeah, I saw some stills from that. Uh, being an old school gamer, Contra, the new one, I think it's called Rogue Corpse or something. I, yeah, I didn't see the gameplay, yeah, yeah. I just heard about it. So I'm kind of, I don't know, because uh, side-scrolling games, again, I think they're a bit dated and I need more than just shooting and going in one line. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, the new Watch Dogs, I've enjoyed both Part 1 and 2. I've played yeah. those, so that looks pretty cool. And that looks more like a multiplayer type of thing that they're trying to go on with. I, I don't know. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And then finally, obviously, the whole big thing of... I'm sure you heard about this one. Keanu Reeves showing up and being a Cyberpunk? character. Yes, yeah, Cyberpunk. Yeah. I think everyone's... Yeah. I think that's the big takeaway from this E3 is, is that game. Yeah, yes. And then his uh, his actual like surprise appearance to announce the launch of it, I guess. Right. That's pretty cool, yeah. That is pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I heard about those. I'm excited for Cyberpunk. Uh, and, and like I said, like for Animal Crossing, I heard, I heard about Contra and, and all those. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited because it's, it's one of those, uh, like the the season of like system changeovers is starting to come up now. Yes. So like now some really exciting stuff is coming up that, you know, because you, you go for a few years where it's like, there's new stuff, but it's you, you're locked into like the the bracket of the systems. But now it's getting right. to where there's going to be like you know new systems coming and stuff like that. Um, and like uh, Overwatch Two, I think they said they announced like some like a, an expansion or an update to it. Mm-hmm. I've always been a big Blizzard guy, so I, I played oh. a lot of like StarCraft and stuff gotcha. before. You know, so like I, I was. I'm kind of eagerly waiting to see what they're going to do with the Overwatch franchise as well. Oh, that's pretty. The only Blizzard game I got into was, was Diablo 3. That was it. Okay, yeah, yeah, I like Diablo. So Diablo uh, wasn't too bad, because to me, again, it was pretty easy. And I'm not a really PC gamer, so to play Diablo on the PC yeah, was same, pretty same, easy. Yeah, so. like, other than like StarCraft and maybe like Age of Empires, I never okay. really did any PC gaming. Yeah, I, I never got the attraction. It, mind you, everyone who was into PC, like... That's their thing. That's their jam. They they swear by it. They want everyone to be on it. But it's like, oh yeah, especially with like shooters. Like, oh, yes. it's just point and click. It's just point and click. Yes, like, I know. Just pick pick up a damn controller. <laughs> it's like, just don't be such a mouse snob. <laughs> oh shit! You know? All right, before I let you go, you want to play the Dumbass game? Yes. Yeah. All right. So, in no particular order, in New Mexico, it is illegal for an idiot to vote. In Delaware. <laughs> It is illegal for a magician to hypnotize a person. This is your neck of the woods. In California, it is illegal to eat pizza while getting one's haircut. Or is it in Wyoming, it is illegal for a farmer to fall asleep with his or hers barn animals? Um, let's see. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
You want to? I'm gonna say. I'm. I'm gonna. I want to say the. I want to say hypnotism in Delaware. That just seems like. I don't know. I'm gonna go with that. <laughs> no, it's not that one. What is it? Believe it or not, I don't know how they enforce this or how they're gonna check, but in New Mexico, it is illegal for an idiot to vote. <laughs> It's funny because, like, I just feel like that is the type of thing, if you've been there, like, that they feel like is still realistic to enforce. Right. So, like, especially the Southwest region, it's okay. just, that's, that's such a cowboy law, you know? Right. Yeah, you should oh, see man, some of these funny. old laws. Most of these laws, I, I don't try, I don't bring them up because you would know for sure that they're the real ones, still involves with, like, uh, pitching a, a horse up or having firearms and duels for some odd reason in a lot of the states if you if you've participated in a duel you cannot run for office <laughs> the, like the check like have you ever done the old 12 faces turn yeah, right <laughs> yes uh well unfortunately you cannot be mayor i know exactly <laughs> so they're all over the place well thank you tj for coming aboard this is your time plug whatever you want floor is all yours Thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure. Um, if anybody, well, thank you to everybody who's listening. Uh, thank you for listening and thank you for, for following me if you do. Um, and thank you for discovering me if, if you just have. Uh, without you guys, uh, there, there is no me. So I really appreciate that. And if anybody wants to find more on me, I'm not too terribly diverse. I only got uh, a couple socials. Uh, I don't have a Facebook but I do have uh, a Twitter and an Instagram. Both are at Mega TJP. Uh, if you if you uh, sign up for uh, Looptify, uh, which is basically another social media app, it's similar to Instagram, but it has uh, uh, other uh, aspects to it where you can get uh, video shoutouts and and, uh, and um, direct messaging and stuff with me and, and a lot of other uh, people that you might find like celebrities and things like that. Cool. And there's also a shop where I'll have a lot of merchandise up and, and part of my new fashion lineup and there'll be giveaways and things like that. But if you sign up for loop Defy and subscribe to me, it's also at mega TJP. Um, and then you can find my touring schedule and my online shop for detonation kick on uh, detonationkick.com. So if you want to see if I'm in your area or if you want to pick up anything from my brand line, uh, you can go to detonationkick.com and find that. And that's basically it. Thank you guys very much for listening. And thank you very much for having me. Not a problem. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, questions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com. Please subscribe, rate, review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and support the sponsors. Go back, listen to the beginning of the show. I do not want to repeat them again. All good, my friend. Thank you very much for having me. And it was, man, it was, it was my pleasure. It was a fun one to do. Thank you once again. On that note, he's TJ. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace.